No matter how dark the day, how deep sin's attack becomes, no matter how great the intimidation, how powerful the enemy is, God's protection and victory is absolute. On the eve of crucifixion, Jesus said, you would have no power over me except what my Father has given you. When you have surrendered all to God, no threat can impale your heart with fear. The only thing that can be taken is what you have already let go of for the glory of God. That's a trade that will never leave you ashamed. You see, faith for your peace is not merely about trusting that God will never allow anything to be taken from you. Faith for your peace is about trusting God that nothing can be taken from you that matters. Nothing will be allowed to be plundered that is necessary for you to have. That's why faith for peace finds its greatest understanding in its knowledge of who God is. Its requirement is the full assurance of God's glory, honor, love, and justice. Faith finds its focus on who God is, being lost in His majesty, so that nothing else matters but knowing Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. Today is a day to boost your faith, the kind of faith that will work in a prison cell, a hospital bed, or what's happening in America today. By the end of this podcast, you'll find an understanding of faith that few people talk about, and a depth of faith that will overcome every storm. Here is the attitude that is established in victory over every kind of persecution, pain, imprisonment, and fear. For I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yes, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything be otherwise minded in any way, God shall reveal even this unto you. Paul said these words both in 1 Corinthians and in Philippians. Paul put no condition upon the pursuit of peace and joy but knowing Christ. He is joy and peace and rest. The state of faith itself produces all that the human soul needs in this life to have victory. It sees, 
knows, believes, and accepts all that it perceives and considers it sufficient for life and godliness. Faith is our victory. It is not defeated by what may appear withheld from our life, whether it be money, reputation, physical well-being, power in this world, or our present political climate. It does not wonder at human losses. It is fixed on that which cannot be changed by evil, Satan, or personal weakness. If faith does not triumph in a prison cell, a hospital bed, or a poorhouse, then it is not faith. It is some distorted form of belief system. How greatly preachers err when they claim that faith's ultimate fulfillment must be physical healing, financial blessing, or national government reforms. This is the only way that a legitimate ministry of healing, deliverance, prophecy, or any other blessing may flow through the people of God. It is the attitude of Paul. Thus Paul continues in the words given earlier, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He could be an agent of physical healing. Paul could. Because that was not his primary objective at all. Healing need not be accomplished for his faith to remain perfect and give him glorious liberty. Of Jesus it was said, And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went around the villages teaching. Their faith wasn't lacking merely in God's will or power to heal. It was lacking in accepting who Jesus is. If our faith is crippled because we can't believe for healing, then it is lacking because of misdirected efforts to believe and hope becomes distorted. Faith to be healed is foremost a faith in who Jesus is in all his glory. When that is in its proper place, then faith for healing can come forth as the Lord leads us. And there sat a man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. There was no indication that Paul was preaching about faith to be healed at all. Paul was preaching the gospel, as it says in verse 7. The preaching of the gospel itself caused this man, crippled from birth, to begin believing that he could be healed. He heard the truth of Jesus as the Messiah, the King of heaven's kingdom who forgives sins. When he believed in the majesty, honor, power, and love of God in Christ Jesus, faith was authored within him by the Holy Spirit. The storm didn't intimidate Paul, nor did words about impending persecution and imprisonment. He was not quieted by past beatings and threats. The promise of being treated like Jesus was treated did not dissuade any of the apostles from going out. They had seen firsthand what the Romans and the Pharisees could do. Peter would sing praise in his prison cell. Stephen would not quiet his testimony as the religious hypocrites sought to kill him. When the early church was threatened unless they became quiet about Jesus, they prayed that the Holy Spirit would come down and give them boldness. Remember that word, boldness. 
and the place wherein they gathered was shaken by the power of God. They prayed, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your prayer and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. It's my prayer that the Holy Spirit would come in to wherever you are in that room and shake the place where you are and shake your spirit that you might be filled with a sense of the awe and wonder and glory of God. Note the context here. Today we see leaders beginning to rise up in America to quench Christianity. We are being threatened. Note that they also prayed for freedom of speech, which is what the word boldness means in the Greek. They were not seeking to heal people for healing's sake, but that their heart, full of God's glory, may be given testimony of. Further note that the context of these people's heart was that they had given up all that they had. They claimed none of their own possessions to be their own. The focus was something eternal for which they were fully ready and willing to give their lives for. And die they would. Were they protected by God? Indeed they were. But their protection was their souls, their eternities, and their true freedom. Listen, folks, true freedom cannot be quenched by the fear of men, disease, or devils. If we're driven to anger because we think we're losing our constitutional freedoms, we've lost our freedom a long time ago. For lack of understanding what true faith is, that lies at the heart of victory and freedom, too many today see their faith shipwrecked and too many mislead others into things that are not at the heart of the gospel. Faith truly works by love as its motive. It's not about self-preservation. And that, folks, is at the heart of the liberty and freedom of speech that God is granting to you today. The faith of God doesn't ever wonder about what God will do. It is consumed with who God is, in all His glory, justice, and sovereign love. Neither does the faith that is focused on love for God, wonder about what we should be doing. Love always knows what to do. Jesus is Lord, and those who follow Him need only be faithful.